Hey everybody! Hey, it's Mike here with North Riverside Library, and this episode of the Tech Team Podcast is going to be a little bit different from our usual format. So, we've been working on this episode for the past few weeks. Uh, We're planning to talk about the big Apple event that happened last month and various other tech stories, but uh, I just couldn't get inspired to talk about any of it. See, I've been going through one of my infamous phases where the internet just sort of bums me out, where it just seems like there's nothing interesting or exciting happening. It's all kind of a drag. So I kept pushing this episode back and back, hoping to get inspired, until finally I said, you know, what the heck? Let's just make this episode about this feeling and try to figure out why I keep feeling this way. So come join Sarah and I as I take a little tour through my own personal journey with the internet and try to figure out how to get the old magic back. Let's go. This episode is going to be a little bit different. And the reason that we've had a, another uh, unusual delay in getting this episode out is because of me. Because although we have been putting together our podcast rundown for several weeks now and going over it and going over it again, uh, I just could not get up for it. I could not get inspired at all to talk about any of the hot tech news or the big tech trends and stories that have been happening over the last few weeks. You know. Um, I feel like we, at the risk of repeating ourselves on this show, we, we, um, well, I guess it's me. I shouldn't say we. It's me that's always getting in a funk about, ah, tech is no fun and the internet is no fun anymore. And um, I guess you'd call it uh, a malaise. Is that how you say that? Um, yeah. Yes. I frequently find myself in a tech malaise, and I have been bogged down in it for several weeks now, um, just feeling very uninspired. And uh, I thought, you know what, let me stop trying to force. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to try to talk through that, try to figure out why am I always in this funk? Why can't I enjoy uh, the internet? You know, right before um, we went on the air here, I was, my wife was talking to me about what are you guys going to talk about on the podcast? And I said, Oh, you know, same thing that we always talk about, that, you know, uh, I'm bored of the Internet and don't find it fun anymore <laughs> or interesting. And she was giving me a hard time about that. She's like, you mean you find nothing interesting or exciting about just having, like, unlimited access to information? <laughs> <laughs> True. Oh, uh, what like, did you say that? I was like, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I can't say that it's a rational thing. It's just. Um, <laughs> she's got a point, but but maybe we'll maybe this episode will figure it out. Um, and uh, I understand if uh, if if any of the listeners came here hoping to get some of the scoops on the hot tech news of the day, and uh, this one isn't for you. Hey, f- feel free to light out of here. No hard feelings. Um, but I'm going to use this opportunity to get some things off my chest there. Um, All right, Mike, go for it. Now, I figured, you know, there's a couple of different ways we can come at this. Um, we can either sort of talk about, like, the way that I'm feeling about all this stuff, like, right now, and kind of work through that, or um, 
maybe we could start at the beginning. We could go back and sort of start at the beginning of Mike's journey with computers and the internet and see maybe where it went wrong along the way. Um, what do you think? I think it's always best to start at the beginning. Start at the beginning. Okay. Well, this is going to get very self-indulgent. Uh, <laughs> you're too kind to put up with us there. Um, oh, no. I guess. So it, it wasn't always like this, right? The internet used to be exciting. It was, it was fun. It was different. Uh, I think my personal experience goes back to around the junior year of high school, say around 1994, probably around when you were born. Uh, That's the year I was born, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember that was like the first time that we got like the family computer, you know. Um, uh, everybody was was starting to get uh, their like uh, compact computers from, you know, Circuit City or whatever um, with the giant monitors and the like floppy disk drives. And back then, to get, if you want to get on the internet, what most people did was they used America Online, AOL. Remember that, Sarah? I do. You've got mail, all of that. Um, and you would, you would just these little uh, CD-ROMs that came with America Online was just everywhere. You would just go to like, you know, Target and just by the register there'd just be stacks of these CDs, like a free month of AOL and that's what, we, that's what a lot of people's first experience with the internet was. was you get these disks, you load up the AOL uh, software, you, you set up an email address. <clears throat> Somehow back then, even back then, the address you wanted was always taken. You would, you would spend like, like six hours trying to come up with a clever email that wasn't already taken before you finally gave up and just put like Mike 23678 or whatever. <laughs> Like even in 94, all the names were gone instantly. Um, and we thought of this as being on the Internet, like, oh, I'm going online with your terrible slow modem with the telephone dial tones and all that. It gets knocked off when somebody picks up the phone somewhere else in the house. Um, but it really wasn't. It wasn't anything like the Internet that we know. It was it was more like. It was more like chat rooms uh, just around various topics. Um, you know, I'd go to like the, the, the football chat room and like complain about, you know, a bad call in a game I just saw or something. And that to us was going on the Internet. It was uh, but it but it was still it was like it was new. It was brand new. So you felt like uh, just the novelty of it probably brought the excitement back then. Um, that wore off because um, like it was very limited. It was very much like a like a walled garden sort of thing that we talk about now, where everything was uh, bundled together in this very limited interface. And you could fire up the web browser. I think we were using like Netscape back then, um, or maybe very early Internet Explorer. And you know, you would um, when you branched out of your little America online bubble, you would fire up the browser. Maybe you go check out some bands that you like. You, there was a lot of, uh, there wasn't social media or anything. So, and there weren't really big news websites, at least not that I remember. I think that was a little later. 
So if you wanted to find something out, you would, you know, you would search for it. Back then, there wasn't even Google. It was like use stuff like uh, Alta Vista or Excite or you know these uh, search engines like sort of pre-Google, maybe Yahoo, and you would you would have to go to all these individual websites to find stuff. You would go to like your favorite band's website to see if they had any news on the upcoming album uh, that they were going to put out. If you were lucky, maybe you could download like a little sound snippet, take you like 30 minutes to download like a 30 second clip or something. Uh, but it still was like, it was still like fresh and exciting and like, ah, this is like, hey, it's online. This is cyberspace, you know? Um, so that was like the sort of formative years. Um, and then, um, I got into just computers, just sort of like general uh, computers a little bit. I remember being in college. Uh, it was in the late 90s. I remember taking like, you know, basic computer science, learning about Excel and like how to work the MS-DOS prompt and all that. And uh, that was kind of cool. It was like, hey, this isn't your average, you know, uh, history class or whatever. Um, but I would say even back then, the whole excitement of this was kind of wearing off. Because I went through a few years towards the end of college where I probably, I mean, I very rarely would use a computer. Like, even back then in the late 90s, there there wasn't all this, you know, turn in everything electronically. Everything was still kind of um, paper-based. And you might go use, you know, Microsoft Word. I don't think it was even word that it might have been like works or something um, to print out your paper. That was about as much computing as you did back then. You still did all your research like in the library with the real books. And um, and I kind of I kind of tuned out of the whole Internet scene for several years. Um, I famously I'm uh, a guy who worked at record shops for a long time. I enjoyed my physical media, you know, while everyone else was off uh, learning how to, you know, work Napster and whatnot. Um, I was still really into like CDs, man. These are cool. They'll last forever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I really, I really wasn't interested. It was like the internet doesn't have anything for me. Um, I would very rarely, I didn't even have a computer at home for several years. Um, just talking about like in my, my 20s and whatnot. Um, I think by the time I came back around, it was when everybody was talking about MySpace. Um, of course, you remember MySpace. Yeah. Uh, everybody's like, oh, you got to get on MySpace. This is how you keep up with all your friends now. And and so I did. And that kind of got me back into it a little bit. This was like, uh, it was a fun thing. And I don't know about you, Sarah, but I think what I enjoyed most about MySpace. Did you use MySpace at all? I did. The cool thing to me was not so much keeping up with your friends and everything, which of course was the main point, but but what was cool was that like you could customize. Um, Do you remember, did you ever like spend some time setting up your MySpace page? And I was constantly changing it too and like trying to get the perfect setup, perfect background, putting in those HTML codes. (laughs) <laughs> yes so it it was it was kind of fun it was, it was a new thing i think um 
um, the internet has always been sort of best when it it, it becomes like a, uh, like a alternative space that kind of complements your real life rather than I don't know takes it takes it over and um, it was it was a fun thing it was still like it felt it felt new it felt like you were learning something it felt like you were being productive in some way even if all you were doing was um, trying to set up a really cool you know MySpace page. Um, then of course Facebook comes along. We're now in like the mid to late aughts here, and everybody's like, "Oh, MySpace is old news. Facebook is where it's at now." Um, I tried to get into that, but I I could never see the appeal. It was like everyone's page looks exactly the same. Um, maybe it's just me being kind of uh, anti-social, but I just never saw much uh, value out of uh, Facebook. I mean, I still have a page. I still I still keep an account just because for some people that's the only way they're going to find you. But uh, but I I mean, I rarely, rarely ever log in. Only if I get an email that says that someone sent me a message or something. Um, I don't know. What did you did you do you remember anything about the Facebook came around? Well, I I was really resistant personally to Facebook. I did not want to go on there at all, but I was in middle school to high school. And, uh, yeah, I just remember there being like, just in, you know, like any other middle school, high school experience, there being a lot of drama that played out on Facebook that, um, I just didn't want to be a part of. And I was also going through like a real, uh, phase really angsty phase where I just didn't want to do anything that was popular with the rest of my peers so um I I didn't get on Facebook until like 2015 um or 2013 I guess when I entered college and I needed to for a group presentation I've never liked Facebook really like uh don't see the appeal it's just and yeah, it's not it's not a fun website to use necessarily. No, I agree with you. And you you said something uh, interesting in there that you you finally sort of caved in because like you needed to do it for college, and um, that is a common trend I think in in a lot of this is um, uh, a lot of the times when. I was interested in using computers or the internet would be when it was something you would go to explore like of your own free will, like you find this interesting, you find this cool. So I'm going to go learn more about it. And you do that voluntarily. And I think maybe one of the reasons why um, a lot of this has become boring is because it became um, like mandatory, it, it ceased from being something uh, a, a, f- a fun alternative to being the standard, um, and that takes a lot of the fun out of anything. Um, I think when you have to be online versus I'm going to go online. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I think I agree. Um, another part of it also is that like. So much of our jobs now are online, especially as 
um, people who work in libraries, uh, specifically with tech, um, that it's hard to separate what we do online versus what we do for fun. Well, I mean, what we do for work versus what we do for fun when it comes to being online to the point where I don't know if you feel this way, Mike, but for me, it kind of all feels like work at the end of the day. <laughs> it does. It does. And that, that's, I, yeah, it's almost like the, the purpose shifted. Um, I feel like, uh, I mean, of course, the original purpose of the World Wide Web was to, you know, sort of freely distribute information uh, to everyone, anywhere, anytime. Um, but there was always this element of fun to it. It was like, yeah, yeah, sure, it's great for all of that, but it's really fun to go, you know, see these funny jokes and whatnot. More and more, it's kind of, it seems like the the fun edges have been worn off of it into where it's just a functional utility uh, that everyone has to use to to just get things done in their daily life. Um, it doesn't leave a lot of room for the fun stuff anymore. Where do we leave off after Facebook? So then you also have uh, around this time the rise of smartphones. Uh, I think the first iPhone came out in 2006 maybe. Um, and then Android phones popped up a couple years after, and everybody was trading in their old uh, flip phones for smartphones. Now you can carry the internet with you in your pocket anywhere. Um, again, I was a little late getting into that, but once I did, that kind of sparked another round of um, a little bit of novelty, excitement, uh, you know, finding ways to use like the mobile web to uh, keep up with uh, all of the uh, fun things and topics that you like to keep up with. And of course, much like MySpace, you know, um, uh, got to customize your setup on your smartphone. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I got big into that. Um, uh, uh, that kept me going for a while. Um, and then around, 2010-11, um, we kind of hit my favorite part of uh, the Internet's uh, lifespan, um, which is when I discovered news feeds and RSS, uh, which I talk about way too much on this show. But, um, when I found that I could take all of the websites that I like to read and I could collate them into a news feed application and it would show me every post that they posted during the day and I could you know quickly sift through them like reading email and go through all the posts of, of all my favorite sites um, I was totally hooked on that um, uh, back then we we all used Google Reader it was probably the greatest web app that ever lived um, <laughs> uh, and it was just Hours of fun every day, going through all of the all of the headlines, all of the stories. Uh, I would say this was kind of like the peak, my peak years when I really um, was still excited about learning everything about the internet and how it worked. It was kind of the golden age of Lifehacker, that website that I used to uh, rave about, um, which is it still exists, but it's nothing like it 
nothing like it was back then when it was full of just the coolest tech tips that made you feel like, you know, you're this total computer pro. Um, I had a great time. And, and I would say that I've, I've, I've tried to sort of cling to that ideal over the last, I don't know, decade. Um, I still use RSS to get all, to process all the news. Um, I've just vastly uh, cut down on the number of, of websites that I follow because even with all this limitless uh, information, it seems like everyone just reports on the same stories and there really isn't all that much going on at the end of the day. Um, I feel like we have refined and refined and refined the whole internet experience has just come down to a series of, of news feeds, whether you like to get it from Facebook or from Twitter or from whatever else. Uh, everyone just refreshes the feeds all day to look at the same stories and the same jokes and the same memes. And uh, we look up and we've spent an hour and didn't accomplish anything. And even the big uh, um, Updates that happen when new 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 phones come out, they they still look just like the the old ones. <laughs> uh, when they do the uh, the updates, uh, we just we're just left to just debate the tiniest of inconsequential details, like whether or not they kept shadows on the icons on the home screen or whatever. It's just like really this is what we're this is what it's down to. Um, what happened to all the wonders and interesting stuff? What happened to when the internet was for fun? Um, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I've just been I, I, I've just been stuck on it um, for the the last few weeks. Usually, I usually I, I get out of this funk pretty quickly and get back to being you know Mr. Internet, but um, uh, I haven't been able to shake this one in a while. Um, I don't know if any of that history. <laughs> delivered any insight to anyone, but thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I don't know. You got any thoughts? Yeah, I think it goes back to what I was mentioning earlier. Um, and you can disagree with me if I'm missing the mark here. But uh, to be a part of the generation that experienced sort of uh, life before the internet and then the rise of the internet and how it's evolved into what it is today, where we have all these major corporations um, who are at the end of the day only interested in profit kind of controlling and calling the shots about what the internet looks like and what it feels like these days. Um, I'm not surprised that it's lost its luster for you. Uh, especially since so much of what you do for work now is having to um, make this kind of a ubiquitous, ubiquitous thing um, accessible to a small public. So you spend a lot of time. I mean, at least I do. I'll speak for myself. Like I, I spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to make something that's meant to eat up your attention, suck up all your time, and drain money from your pockets, how to make it useful for people who uh, have to rely on it now, because everything we do, everything that you need to access, you know, from getting your COVID shots to uh, paying your taxes is online now. 
and uh, thankfully I'm part of an institution where we can bridge that gap to the people who don't have access to it. Um, but that kind of contributes to losing its luster because uh, it, it can foster an, a sort of negative idea of what the internet is. Uh, and I kind of hear that echoed in what you were saying now. Um, but I think that we're in a stage of internet in the internet life cycle now where um, everything is so corporate and profit driven uh, that the most popular websites and apps are designed just to eat up your time and make you look at ads. Um, it's not surprising to me that it's disheartening for you because you're describing what you described at least was, uh, when the internet was a young, wild thing, it, it was driven by people, not by companies. Um, and people got to call the shots on what they wanted to see and what was popular and what was accessible. Um, I mean, and you and I in this little podcast are not going to find a solution to that because we're, you know, uh, small representatives going up against Goliaths. You know, we're not going to help make the Internet better and more accessible. But as users, we do have a bit of power. And that power is, I think, I've said this on the podcast before, but you you can't expect the internet to deliver something to you that's going to be enjoyable anymore you have to make it enjoyable you have to make it work for you um and that's by investing the time that you spend on it in other places for me like social media it historically for me has been kind of a negative place it um the fostering a lot of comparison um and mm, you know, it's kind of designed to make you feel bad about yourself so that you buy things to make you happier. Um, so I, I've learned that spending my time doom scrolling on social media is not going to make my Internet experience the happiest that it is or the most enjoyable that it can be. Um, with, but that's what all of it the, from the phone in my pocket to the computer I use at work is designed uh, to have me do just doom scroll all day. Um, so I have to find ways if I, if I want to keep using the internet for my own personal enjoyment to make it fit what I want. That's why I, I mean, I've said it lots of times before, but that's why I spend a lot of, um, my time on the internet reading and, uh, like investing in creative projects or, um, taking the platforms that are available and making them reflect what I want to see, what brings me joy instead of letting the algorithms decide for me, what's going to, uh, you know, what's going to eat up my attention. So, you know, uh, during the pandemic, especially I found myself, um, you spending more time, you know, recreationally on the internet. I found myself doing things that, uh, were not typical, but made me happy, like learning how to paint or starting a YouTube channel. Um, so I think my advice for you, Mike, is to uh, 
try to do that. You're unfortunately, if you're looking for um, the internet to return to its glory days, it's not probably most likely not going to happen. But you can, as a user, you do have the power to make it what you want it to be. Um, you just have to put more intention into that. Those are all good points there. Uh, you're getting kind of fired up again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I do want to, I guess, uh, I do want to uh, clarify that, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's uh, healthy or productive to pine for like some earlier time of the internet because, you know, then that just turns into me doing my whole Orson K. Boomer routine of railing against change, um, <laughs> which is not good, not good for anybody. And I don't want to claim, I don't want to be one of those people who like thinks that the problems of the internet are because of like, because everyone's on it now. Like it, I don't take any ownership over it. That wasn't my internet that has been taken over by other people or, or anything like that. Um, but I think you, you, you hit on some really, uh, good points about how when it's so transparent it, it's so transparently now um just you know internet products that are pushed by you know giant corporations it's all about making making money and advertising and tracking and all of that and and you really do have to be willing to put in all kinds of effort just to just to make the internet like usable really i mean we, we we certainly have spent our share of time talking about all the hoops we jumped through to you know block ads and um try to avoid the ubiquitous tracking that it's like it's become this chore and sometimes it, i guess it feels like it's not worth it but like you said if it still is it still is like the most uh, unlimited uh, collection of information and knowledge that the world has ever seen um so maybe i i I need to remember that and stop being so you know jaded about the the downsides of it and try to uh, um, um try to find find that uh, uh, happy place uh, that's probably still in there somewhere. Uh, I'm just not looking in the, the right places. Yeah. And for me, that's definitely taken the form of, and this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but like instead of consuming, just like mindlessly consuming content, um, creating the kind of content that I want to see. Uh and, you know, that's not for everybody, and it, it takes a lot of time, and it takes a lot of resources, but you'll be surprised. Like, uh, one thing that I discovered that's been really helpful to me, like, I, I used to hate Instagram. Um, I used to say this thing that, like, Instagram made me hate my friends in high school because I uh, – what, what inevitably happens is that people um, – present a version of themselves on social media that's not the real version of them and it can get really annoying and I was particularly angsty at the time so I was a it really like graded on me that um I was just seeing like fakeness all the time 
what I what I categorize as fakeness rather. Um, but recently, I've discovered that like there are all these niche communities on across all platforms. Um, so instead of like looking at things that are fake on Instagram, like you know uh, Instagram models and and quote unquote creators who are just pushing products and uh, promoting a lifestyle that is unrealistic and unattainable that event like just makes you feel bad about yourself. There's also like a community of people who are doing the things that you might be interested in. Like I found a book bookstagram and booktube this year. And that's been really like fun because uh, we all know that Sarah likes to read. So um, finding a community of people who share that and uh, actively becoming a part of that community and engaging with that community and creating content to contribute to that community um, has changed the way that I feel about Instagram and the way I feel about TikTok and, and stuff like that. Um, it's it's out there because people are still using the internet and making it what they want it to be. It's just not what is being promoted to us. And you have to dig. You have to dig with intention, um, which is not what we're used to doing with the internet. It's supposed to be like a, a fun machine and you push a button and you get fun stuff out of it. But unfortunately it's not that anymore. Um, so I would suggest uh, doing that, Mike, and maybe you'll find a community for you based on what you're interested in that you can engage with and create with, and it'll make like help you enjoy that more. That experience. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Digging with intention. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're probably right. Yeah, it's a, it's. A, I mean, clearly, uh, this is all coming from sort of a first world problem, uh, sort of a, a place of entitlement to complain about all this access that I have. But I, I understand why you're complaining because if you like there's this genre of um youtube videos that i'll use an example where um people will be like where does youtube send new users and they'll make a whole video making fun of the fact that like if you just opened uh if you just had a brand new google account and you opened up youtube what is it going to show you where is the algorithm setting you up like what is the algorithm setting you up to do um, and most of it's trash. Most of it's awful. So if you're just sitting down and um, letting like the default Internet. Consuming just the, what the default things that the Internet wants you to consume it, of course, you're not going to have a great experience. Um, but that's why I say you need to sort of curate it for yourself because it's not going to do it for you, unfortunately. I mean, it'd be nice but it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's true. And I do sort of struggle going back and forth with like uh, the whole taking the curation, taking the customization, personalization stuff. Like I can, I can go really overboard with that. Um, so much so that sometimes I'll tear the, tear it all down and just start everything over from defaults. I haven't quite found that balance. Um, I could be doing 
doing a better job of, I'm not saying this very well, but um, one of the problems may be that I continually go back to the same sources uh, every day because it might be the most efficient way to uh, keep up with um, like the tech news that's going on. But I'm probably missing a lot of smaller, more interesting things. Um, if I would just um, uh, allow for some more uh, meandering or um, clicking a few links further uh, into um, like a, a post on, on a more like indie blog. Um, I think that what I'm trying to say is I think that um, I think that you're right. You know, you do a very good job of this there of, of pulling me out of this funk when I get into it. Um, and I think it might be, uh, yeah, because you, you have that, like, um, that knack for pointing out how, um, the internet is just another tool that can be, can be tailored and, and used to be very helpful in like furthering, you know, your passions, like your, your reading of actual books has gone through the roof because of the internet, whereas uh, a lot of people would think that the two are like somehow you know adversaries and that's totally not the case and it is kind of making clear that you know maybe my problem isn't maybe it has never been the internet maybe it's that i need to go find more stuff to be passionate about (laughs) Um, and that's not like a that's not a bad thing i think we can all do more of that um and i also think that it's like symptomatic of the way the internet has kind of infiltrated itself into our lives that it's it seems to um thrive more on our negativity than our positivity and that's unfortunate um facebook being like a prime example of that if like things that are negative get way more attention than things that are positive on there and um so more, I think more people could could do with investing into their passions or discovering more passions rather than um, investing into the things that make them outraged. That's not just a, or make them frustrated. That's not just a mic problem. I think that's like a human problem right now. Um, so, I mean, in my capacity as a, uh, tech person at the library I I really made it a point to sort of try to point people in the other direction because I found that that works for me coming from someone who like used to really thrive on negativity I'll be the first to admit that that's what I was looking for and sometimes I find myself looking for now um but you got to remind yourself that that's not at the end of the day it's not serving you or your mental health, or your spiritual health, um, and as easily as we use these tools to sort of feed into the negativity, we can use them to feed into positivity and um, into wellness. I'm a firm believer of that. I'm sure some people will disagree, but um, I do think that it's possible. And maybe that's a naive and optimistic point of view, but um, I've seen it work. Yeah, for sure. It's like, um, so 
the internet's always it, it's it's I think it's permanently now going to be um, just part of the uh, functional utilitarian part of our lives. Um, that part is not going to change. Um, and then um, uh, another layer on top of that is boundless information, in which, as you, you said, if if you if you let the big companies push that information onto you, it's going to gravitate towards the negative because that's what gets people fired up and keeps them looking at it longer. But if you can get beyond that, there's there's still that whole other side to it. Um, and I think I think a lot of times I forget that. And then it's incumbent on folks like you to remind me, Sarah. <laughs> and I'll be here to do it, Mike, no problem. <laughs> Well, okay then. I want to thank the listeners for, and thank you, Sarah, for putting up with me. Uh, I will try to uh, steer us gently back on track uh, for um, some more typical uh, tech takes when we get back to this next time. But until then, Sarah. Keep it spicy, folks. Keep it spicy. And remember, uh, wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) I like that.